Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what's new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. This week, I'm going to tell you about the politics behind refined carbohydrates, specifically sugar. Not GOP, not Democrat, but it's how corporate monies are influencing policy worldwide. I looked into information from France, from Europe in general, the World Health Organization, and you can be sure that less developed countries are influenced even more by these big corporations. They all have a tale to tell when it comes to big food, chemical, pharmaceutical corporations buying their influence for profits. Today, I'm going to focus on sugar. But you don't have to stop questioning there. I'm cynical, yeah, but I tell you, I always say, follow the money, question everything, make them prove it. Now, I have to tell you that I get the most pushback when I besiege sugar. But life is hard. We need our treats. But the kids are good. I have to reward them. A little bit can't hurt. Life isn't fun without sugar. But I love it. I love my Pop, cookies, ice cream, whatever. I need a little something sweet after sugar, after dinner. Shoot, we all love the taste, but if you want to live long and healthfully, we need to reel back in those pleasure centers of the brain and use our executive functioning part of the brain and choose a heck of a lot less of it, maybe once a week rather than every meal. Your taste buds can lead you down the wrong path every single time. I know it. Average American consumes 17 teaspoons, or 71 grams, every day. That translates to about 157 pounds of added sugar every year per person, and some people a lot more. This equals about three pounds or six cups consumed every week. That's a lot. And it is growing, as is our waistline. No wonder, you know, when we see what the kids are fed these days, like cereal, juice, and milk, and donuts for breakfast, topped off with gummy vitamins. Pancakes, sugar maple syrup, and juice. Or gross, they still make Pop-Tarts. And We're just loading the kids up with sugar, creating insulin resistance at a young age. I I was there, and that's why I am such an advocate at stopping this. We are creating a lifetime of disease that is starting younger and younger. Statistically, 40% of our school-age kids have a chronic disease. Chronic. Not going away. Going to be there for their lifetime. Talk to teachers from 30 years ago. They're going to tell you how different kids are today. And and then my almost 90-year-old mother, I can't imagine, you know, what will happen to these kids when they're 30 and 40 and even morbidly obese? How many drugs are they going to be on? Maybe that's the plan. I'm going to give you the research on sugar. You decide, no judgment ever, but you lose your right to complain. Okay, sugar is the culprit. Even in the face of all the research, people choose it. Now that's addiction, but acceptable addiction. 
one that mom and dad and grandparents wrap up all in love. Today, I'm going to take you behind the scenes to see how powerful the sugar industry is and how it plays into our increasing addiction. Starting in the 1960s with the war on fat. Now, I opened the shop in 1976, and I remember the war on fat. Everything Low fat, no fat. It was going to cure obesity. It was going to cure heart disease. But instead, we saw a sharp increase immediately in diabetes, cancer, heart disease, and obesity. Immediately. When we removed fat and replaced it with sugar. I myself started getting really achy after I had a baby and was nursing. I looked at my mother, my grandmother, and I saw how arthritic their hands were, and I thought, that's my fate. But no, I started taking two tablespoons of fresh flaxseed oil every day, and within a couple of days, all the achiness was gone. Low fat is dangerous, but getting ahead of myself. I want to tell you about the sugar lobby's dark past that was exposed just in 2016, dating clear back, uncovering the historical documents from the big conspiracy. In the Journal of the American Medical Association, they published this historical document review that shed light on a massive conspiracy by the sugar industry to shift the blame from the heart disease being caused from sugar to fat intake, pointing the finger at cholesterol. But now, even though we know the whole thing, cholesterol was a myth, food is still being touted as fat-free and cholesterol-free as if that's a plus. But the guidelines have eliminated cholesterol as a nutrient of interest. But that propaganda is going to last a long time. Probably all of us are going to have to just die off before it's totally gone. You know, we still kind of cringe when we see something in fat. Interesting, and particularly enough, in the mid-1960s, there was a huge onslaught of scientific published studies downplaying the role of sugar consumption in heart disease. And now we know it was the Sugar Association that funded biased research naming dietary fat as the culprit of heart disease. The JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association study that exposed the sugar sugar lobby, found more than 320 documents at the University of Illinois Archives, uncovered by three researchers from the University of California, San Francisco, that proved the Sugar Association paid scientists the equivalent of $50,000 to do a tainted review that blasted sugar and a blasted fat, I'm sorry, and absolved sugar, paid the scientists to do a literature review that the entire war on fat was based on. 
According to Marion Nestle, the sugar lobby has continued to sponsor favorable research about high sugar products. And they work closely with all the ADAs, the American Dental Association, the American Diabetes Association, and the renamed American Dietetics Association, and their counterparts across the world. Other companies that are highly involved in lobbying and spending millions to protect their interests are Kellogg, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, General Mills, Hershey's, Oreos, Kraft, and Monsanto. And one of the members of the Scientific Advisory Board of Tate & Lyle is the world's largest supplier of high-fructose corn syrup millions of dollars that they are putting towards protecting their assets. How many cases of heart disease and obesity and diabetes and cancers or more things have been caused that this science hijacked? Even in 2015, dietary guidelines came out that said sugar should be limited And again, there was met with giant pushback from a seemingly unbiased scientific group called the International Life Science Institute that, in fact, was created by a Coca-Cola executive and funded by the Agribusiness Association, Food and Pharmaceutical Industries as well. In fact, They hired the same author that the tobacco industry hired decades before, Bradley Johnston. He was super successful at protecting the tobacco industry for a long time, getting doctors and scientists and influential people to say that all the research against tobacco was not good science. It wasn't placebo random controlled trials, but merely observational. He just pulled out the old playbook and read it again for the sugar industry. You know, and you can't randomize or placebo control a diet. People see what they're eating. You can do that with rats, but not people. And I think it's interesting that the pioneer of the random placebo-controlled trial, Dr. I'm sorry, Sir, Sir Bradley Hill, was the first to say that trials aren't the only way to scientifically evaluate things. He said the pendulum has swung too far, but that it has come completely off its hook. So basically, you have to be sensible. You got to know your biochemistry, the science, and we have the ability to observe the effect. Then in 2020, just recently here, the government guidelines suggested we keep it under 10%. Sugar needs to be under 10% of your calories in a day. It's almost like a recommendation to have 50 grams or about 200 calories of sugar, even though you have no dietary requirement for sugar. None. You know, when it comes across as a recommendation like this, you know, we've never seen anything like that before. These guidelines were heavily influenced by big food manufacturers, not scientists. Scientific information is given to Congress, and then it goes to the lobbyists. They go into session and review it all. So that is equal to about a 12-ounce soda. 
empty calories, but equal to an orange, maybe 16 strawberries or a couple plums that are full of all sorts of phytonutrients and antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. But oh, corporate politics, dirty game. Lobbyists are dogged, determined, delightful, and their pockets are full. 2016, American Crystal Sugar, U.S. Sugar, American Sugar Alliance, and the FanJewel Corporation together spent about $11 million in lobby money that were spent between the GOP and the Democratic Party. Most agree, I guess, that lobbyists are needed, but not to the extent they have influence over corporate and commercial interests. You know, they, they even go so far as to target the World Health Organization. You know, corporate greed, you know, distrust abounds. These corporate entities have vast, concentrated pockets of wealth that, you know, public interest groups cannot lobby with that kind of clout. And, oh, and, you know, even when we think about sugar, the words we use, yummy, treats, heavenly, decadent delights. I mean, even... You know, the name for a standard dessert is chocolate suicide. I mean, really? And how about this one? To die for. Wow, these may be more on target than we have any idea. You know, the usual victims that are involved are more than just diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. Obesity, we now know. Cancer, arthritis, gallbladder disease, dementia, infertility, depression, accelerated aging are even more implicated in sugar. All these and more are preventable. Early, early death from sugar. You know, it's, it's just the addiction of sugar. I want to tell you about the, the first study, and I found where it came from. The first study that concluded it was more addictive than cocaine um, was accidental, which is like a lot of discoveries. It was conducted by a French scientist, Serge Ahmed, who was studying lab rats addicted to liquid cocaine. Now, mind you, um, it, was, it was like IV cocaine. One day, he decided to add liquid sugar to the rats for the breakfast for the rats. You know, in theory, it was just going to be a harmless substance. Wow. They chose the sugar water over cocaine when given a choice. The animals could choose, you know, either sugar water or cane. They went for the sugar water. He was the first to determine that sugar was as addictive as cocaine. It releases dopamine, that happy hormone that you need more and more and more of. When you are given a little, you want more tomorrow and more the day after. Um, It's a drug. It's just been proven time and time again. You know, so it's no wonder that it is causing the obesity epidemic. You look at people, and every year we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Sugar industry is where the tobacco industry was 60 years ago, whitewashing and covering up all the research and getting us more addicted than ever. You know, so what is is the sugar and the obesity and all this causing? Well, for one thing, you know, it's blood sugar, diabetes, you know, that high fructose is also associated with high uric acid levels, associated with gout, leading to heart disease and stroke. A really good book that's out now is called Drop Acid by my favorite neurologist, Dr. David Perlmutter. 
you know. All these risks also apply even if your weight is normal. So, you know, just because you're normal weight doesn't mean you get a pass. Second thing, high blood pressure, heart disease. Major study in the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine that consuming too much sugar can raise blood pressure, increase chronic overall inflammation, pathway to heart disease. And it goes on and on and on. Sugar lows, lowers the high-density lipoproteins, the good, healthy HDL. Number three, cancer. Studies show a cr- strong correlation between sugary soft drinks and 11 different kinds of cancer. Their doctor, well, you know, this Dr. Canley did a lot of research on cancer and sugar, and he was a little lackadaisical about sugar to start out with. Now he doesn't eat any sugar himself because he is convinced of the link between sugar and cancer. Fourth thing, arthritis. Fifth thing, gallbladder. Sixth thing, dementia, also known as type 3 diabetes. People who have diabetes are about twice as likely to get Alzheimer's, and people that take insulin for their diabetes are even more likely to get it. 2000 or a 2012 study, um, nearly a thousand people broke down their diet into four groups. The people that ate the most carbs had an 80% higher chance of developing mild, mild cognitive impairment, leading you down the path. Some, uh, number seven, infertility, PCOS, caused from insulin resistance and sugar. Number eight, depression. Number nine, advanced aging, wrinkles, you know, skin damage. Number 10, of course, obesity and overweight. So you can see why I want people to cut back on sugar intake. You know, if you want to prevent diabetes and heart disease and cancer and arthritis and gallbladder and dementia, infertility and depression, aging and obesity, you need to cut your sugar intake. You know, you're probably not going to totally eliminate it, but those three cups on average have taken its toll. And we need to make changes if we want to be feeling fabulous, okay? So anyway, thanks for listening to another edition of Today's Nutrition. I hope you learned something will help you or someone you love. Like always, you can listen to this again on my website, debford.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, have a great day um, that is naturally sweet. <music>